Are, are you waiting for me to start it? Yes. Oh, I didn't realize we were recording. Blooper reel. <laughs> I'm going to put that right before the, the theme song. <laughs> Blooper reel. All right, all right, all right. Welcome in, everybody, back to the Smith and Seidel Show. I'm the Smith. On the other end of the server is the Seidel, bringing you in for yet another week of great conversation. Zach Smith, Jacob Seidel. What's yeah, going on, my baby, friend? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to get that one in there to start it off. It's It's been good. It's been cold and rainy in Bowling Green. Uh, starting to look a lot more like fall. I've seen a lot of really good high school football games in this weather, and I'm excited to see some more. And we've seen some really good NFL games, college games, and World Series action. Holy cow, it's been explosive so far. That's for sure. I, I mean, we can't even really discount anything going on right now. The World Series has been exactly what you and I have expected it to be. The NFL season just keeps getting spicier and spicier with a lot of controversy a lot of field goals penalties all that fun stuff going on this past week the big 10 has come back the mac will be back not this week as we're recording this but next week so a lot to look forward to and we should mention we are very strongly considering a mid-american conference football preview show that would drop uh either Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, and if you are interested in that, make sure you let us know on the Discord server or on Twitter. Just search Smith and Seidel. Yeah, that's the best place you can find for anything, just to let us know how we're going, how we're doing, and all that fun stuff. It's always good to get a little bit of feedback, because if we don't know what we're doing wrong, then obviously we can't do much to fix it. <laughs> so, as always, we will go ahead and start off with Today in sports history, how can you learn for the future if you can't learn from the past? Jacob, what do you got? I got a good one for us today, Zach. And we we talked a little bit about this beforehand, so we know what this is. But in 1934, the Brooklyn Dodgers and the Pittsburgh Pirates played in a penalty-free NFL game. Yes, we are talking about the era where baseball teams and football teams shared names, the Pittsburgh Pirates of the NFL and the Brooklyn Dodgers of the NFL played without a penalty marker, which in that era of football, and even in today's era of football, is extremely rare. But that does show that it's possible for the refs not to be the decider of games and for players to play clean. That's honestly the best way you can do it, and typically you win games by playing the least dirty. So the fewer penalties you have, the better you go, but not bad, man. That's a cool stat there. The Pittsburgh pirates before they were the Steelers and obviously the Brooklyn Dodgers, not just a Jackie Robinson baseball team. Yeah. And one more, I want to get in cause I just saw this uh, on the day. This release is not the day of recording, but in 1959, The American Football League, the original AFL, awards the Buffalo Bills franchise to Ralph C. Wilson. Interesting. So a lot of football news in uh, this day in history. 
and are really excited for it. And moving on to segment two now, since, you know, the first segment's always a real quick one. Uh, we've got a new one for you. They may be grown up, but they don't know what they'll be at the end of the season. It's time for what will I be when I grow up? And Zach, since this is your segment, why don't you go ahead and explain to our listeners what is going to go on with this? So deep in thought, trying to think of something cool that we can discuss on here instead of just recapping and and talking about our silly opinions. I thought it would be really cool to, to mix it up a little bit. So essentially what this segment is, is we are going to take a name, a team, anything like that. It could be anything from Clayton Kershaw to, you know, the Los Angeles Chargers to Gardner Minshew to the Columbus Blue Jackets. This literally could be anything. And we will give an allotted amount of time to what this player is. So um, we're, we're kind of just going to explain it as we go a little bit, but we're going to take a player and give a timeline. So at the end of this week, at the end of this season, at the end of the career, any type of thing and predict where this player is going to end up. So it's going to be easier once we start talking about it and I can give better examples. So um, I'm going to go ahead and start it off and ask you this question, Jacob. So this is kind of the trial of this. So at the end of this season, Joe Burrow will be what? At the end of this season, Joe Burrow will be known as one of the best rookie quarterbacks to ever play in the NFL. And I not only say that because each and every week he goes out and looks better and better. He is one game away from tying the NFL record for amount of games in your rookie season where you pass for over 300 yards. He's one away from tying Andrew Luck. I think he's going to move through and beat Andrew Luck's record by one or two games. Okay. So... At the end of the season, Zach, Mike McCarthy, the coach of the Dallas Cowboys, will be where? At the end of this season, Mike McCarthy will remain the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Ooh, I, I, that's a nice take. This is a hot take, all right? But the reason being, if Jerry Jones is going to keep Jason Garrett, who failed so long for all that time, Mike McCarthy will get at least a second year. I'm standing. I'm still sitting here saying that Dak Prescott going down for the year is the reason why Mike McCarthy will keep his job. And I agree with that. Um, is he where his team wants to be right now? No, not at all. Is he where the Dallas Cowboys ownership and fans and even the media thought they would be? No, they're not. Dallas was supposed to be a Super Bowl contender this year. This offense looked really good on paper. Dak Prescott, Zeke, uh, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, Blake Jarwin. This offense looked awesome. The defense had a couple of questions, but they thought they addressed it. But Byron Jones is really missing out in that secondary. And this, this Dallas Cowboys team doesn't look all that good. Although Mike McCarthy is getting a lot of criticism from his players, I think that Jerry Jones sticks to Mike McCarthy for at least a second year. So at the end of this year, Mike McCarthy will still be the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Now a question back to you. When the off season comes to a close. So after the world series is all said and done when this off season ends, 
Clayton Kershaw will be. This is going to be another hot take. When the offseason comes to a close, Clayton Kershaw will be a Boston Red Sox. <laughs> Zach's giving me a look for that one. I can't tell if it's a I, I like that take or I think you're crazy. I'm curious as to why. What's your what's, what's your reasoning for that? Kershaw has been with the Dodgers a long time. He's done great things with the Dodgers. I think when this season comes to an end, his time in L.A. is going to be done. What, te- what big-name team with the money to sign him needs pitching in their rotation in a big rebuilding year, the Boston Red Sox? Okay. Okay. I, I, I kind of agree with it, but I kind of don't. That's, that's an interesting take. That's an interesting take. Interesting take, but you heard it here first. Fair enough. I'll have to quote you on that. When the 2021 NFL season kicks off, Dak Prescott will be what? Keep in mind, he is playing on the franchise tag this year, suffered that horrific injury. When 2021 rolls around and the NFL is kicking off for that very first time, where will Dak Prescott be? I have an issue with this question, and it's because there are two possible answers. The first possible answer is that he will be franchise tagged once again and be told you need to prove yourself to get the contract coming back from injury. The second possible answer, the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots. Cam Newton, I think his time is going to be done in New England. Dak Prescott is a very good quarterback who I think could learn a lot from Bill Belichick and the staff in New England. Interesting. I, I think that th- this is just my opinion on it because you mentioned two different ones. I like the first take better than the second one. I think personally that Dak is going to get a serious look at by Jerry Jones and he's going to turn and say, Dak, you've earned your money. And every single snap that a quarterback in Dallas that's not J- Dak Prescott takes, another dollar uh, gets added on to Dak Prescott's contract. Why? Because he's earning it. Now, they're going to look at him and say, Dak, we just want to see a year of you after this injury. This injury sucks. So they're either going to tag him or give him a one-year deal to say, hey, this is what we want to see. But I think Dak Prescott remains a cowboy. I do like that first take better. A two-parter for you, Zach. At the trade deadline, Ryan Fitzpatrick will be a... And the second part, when next season starts, Ryan Fitzpatrick will be where? So I'll tackle it one at a time. At the trade deadline, Ryan Fitzpatrick will be a Miami Dolphin. My reasoning for it is I think he's going to work his butt off to try to come back from it. Now, we're not going to be able to see how Tua looks as the starter until I want to say this coming Sunday. Um, that's when he's going to get an opportunity to start against the Rams, and we're truly going to see what Tua can do. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick can be a starter for a team that really, really needs a quarterback, i.e. the Dallas Cowboys. However, he is too valuable of a veteran player to sit behind a quarterback and say, hey, this is what you're doing right, this is what you're doing wrong. Look at Josh McCown. Josh McCown is truly getting paid to sit on a couch at home and coach the quarterbacks. 
So all I'm going to say in the regard of Ryan Fitzpatrick by the end of the trade deadline, he will remain a Miami Dolphin. Now, at the end of the season, so when next season starts, or at the end of the offseason, all that, that's a little harder to, to think about. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick was heartbroken that he got the starting job taken from him. It was everywhere on ESPN, on Twitter, Instagram, where you looked and saw Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was heartbroken that this team was essentially taken from him by surprise. Now, if Tua Tungavailoa is what Miami expects him to be, and that's a, a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback, then Ryan Fitzpatrick is no longer needed on this team as a starter. Now the question is raised then, well, where can he go to be a starter? And this is kind of where I have another hot take that I think could happen, but I don't think could happen. At the end of the season, and next season starts off, I place Ryan Fitzpatrick in Jacksonville. I don't see the Jaguars drafting a quarterback. But I think Gardner Minshew needs a little bit of guidance. I think Gardner Minshew has what it takes to be a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL long term. He kind of had to deal. He, he got Nick Foles off of him last year. This year, he doesn't have anybody to challenge him. And I mean, Jacksonville, you're rebuilding and everything, which I'm giving Jack Gardner Minshew a pass. I say you give Gardner Minshew a good quarterback to learn from for a little bit of time, similar to what Baker Mayfield had with Drew Stanton, what Patrick Mahomes had with Alex Smith, what Tua's got with Ryan Fitzpatrick Gardner's going to get. He's able just to stay in Florida. I place Ryan Fitzpatrick in Jacksonville next season. And then I have another one for you. I know we said we probably weren't going to talk about this one, but I think we need to. Okay. At the end of the season, Lamar Jackson will be what? At the end of the season, Lamar Jackson will be watching the playoffs from home. Now, big, big hot take here. So, again, just to remind people, Jacob's a Browns fan. I'm a Steelers fan. But 5-1 and one are the Baltimore Ravens right now. This is their next couple of games. Not in the right order, but this this is something going on. The Steelers this week, they played the Patriots, the Titans, the Steelers again, and there's another team in there that I don't remember off the top of my head. The Baltimore Ravens have a tough couple of games. The AFC North has looked pretty competitive. The Steelers look really, really good. They're 6-0, the only undefeated team left, but we'll talk about that later on. The Browns have shown flashes that they can be really good. They just need to be able to contend with the two top teams in the AFC North. And on top of that, if you're looking at the four division leaders right now, it's the Steelers, the Chiefs, the Titans, and in the AFC South right now, or the AFC East is Buffalo. So that's your top four. There's three wildcard seeds available. Baltimore has one, Cleveland has one, and I want to say the Colts have the seventh one. It's some mixture of that. Oakland hasn't looked that bad. New England, you know, is going to push somewhere, somehow. And on top of that, you still have more pressure in the NFC or the AFC South. Hot take number one, Lamar Jackson may or may not be in the playoffs this year. 
I think it's a long shot. But I think that Lamar Jackson potentially could be watching from home if teams continue to figure out how to stop him. Now, the X factor, in my opinion, is Des Bryant. Uh, breaking today as we're recording this, 10-27-2020. Des Bryant's back in the NFL. He's on a practice squad. But Miles Boykin needs to have some more production to make this team complete. The running game of the Baltimore Ravens, you can't compete with it. You cannot. But the passing game, it's Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews, and if they're getting shut down, who are you going to throw to? If Lamar Jackson can do that, we'll see him playing in the playoffs come the winter. So I'm kind of going to manipulate it, put an asterisk back, but at the end of the year, Lamar Jackson will be in the playoffs if his receivers can start catching balls. I'm going to echo that a little bit. I think Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens are going to be a one-and-done um, I just, I think he's a lot like Andy Dalton. He can perform well in the regular season, but I don't think he can win in the playoffs. And Zach, you're looking at your phone like you have a big piece of news. Um, I have breaking news from D. Adam Schefter. So I'm saying this because it's breaking right as we're recording. It's like five o'clock on the 27th. This will, this will be news on the 28th, but Everson Griffin the Dallas Cowboys edge rusher has been traded to the Detroit Lions for a 2021 sixth round pick. Uh, okay. Not the trade we were expecting that might come out of Dallas or the one we thought they might go for. Uh, but the Lions getting a nice little bump up on the O-line. That That's an edge rusher, buddy. Edge rusher. D-line. I'm sorry. It's you been a know, long week. And you want to know Tuesday. how much it's going to cost them to do? $6 million. Six mil is all they have to pay him. And a six-round six pick for the Dallas Cowboys? That's, that's trade compensation. It looks like the Dallas Cowboys are looking to trade up in the draft and maybe go for a quarterback. Maybe, or maybe Dak is still the guy. That's that's big news, though, especially for a Detroit Lions team that is now 500 on the year and potentially could be contending for the NFC North. Wow. That's kind of big. But I guess we can move on and and continue through our uh, our segments. <laughs> Breaking news always throws off, throws us off our game when it's that surprising. I, 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 surprising is what I'd call that one. Let, let, let me throw this at you really quick. The NFC North standings as of right now: Green Bay five and one, Chicago five and two, Detroit's three and three. They're right there. This Detroit team, I want to say this. Again, I threw this out there earlier during the offseason. There is a video on YouTube where I said it. The Detroit Lions are the seventh seed in the NFC. I said it, and I continue to stick by it. I, I agree with that take, especially now with the help on defense. Matt Stafford has looked good, and Matt Patricia is doing everything he can to save his job. Okay, Zach, 
your turn to ask me something. Oh, I got to throw another one at you? Yeah, and then we'll move on to segment three. Man, you, you threw bonus ones at me, and now I got to do it. Okay. <laughs> I threw a bonus one at you. Well, I'm going to throw a bonus one at you, and I'm curious on your take on it. Here's the last one for this little take here. Um, Dwayne Haskins with the Washington football team has been benched by uh, head coach Ron Rivera. I want to take a second. Ron Rivera had his last chemotherapy treatment over the weekend. And we I, I just got to say, Ron, that you are a huge inspiration to so many people, cancer patients, myself and Jacob, sports fans all over the place. And people have just been infected or not infected, but have been affected by cancer so to to beat it is awesome so for that we applaud you and we wish you the best of luck with everything going on especially because you continued coaching during chemotherapy treatments um but back to the take Dwayne Haskins has been benched but for Kyle Allen by Ron Rivera at the end of this season Dwayne Haskins will be a what at the end of this season Dwayne Haskins will be a member of the Washington football team. And I just say that because I don't see any team that has the capital to go out and trade for him right now or wants to go out and trade for him. I'm sure a team will pick him up if he need if they come in in the offseason and be like, hey, we are want to trade you, Dwayne Haskins. But right now in the middle of the season with Washington right in the heat of the NFC East, they're not going to make that trade. We're going to want too much for that trade. I will say next year he will be a starting quarterback somewhere else. Either that or he will be a backup in a place like Chicago where they have Nick Foles who has looked up and down. And the Bears have looked up and down since Mitch Trubisky lost his starting job. I could agree with that. I mean, and, and I, I've mentioned this before, but if, if Dwayne Haskins is put on the chopping block and you're using this as his second year to really gauge what he can do as a quarterback, then you got to look at Daniel Jones in the same light. And then suddenly New York needs to go get a quarterback. I think it's too early to judge Haskins, but I think unfortunately we're going to see Haskins go down the same road. Josh Rosen did uh, Josh Rosen, of course, being a 10th round or a first round 10th overall pick back in 2017. Um, so I, I, I think that we could see Dwayne Haskins do it, but I would love to see Haskins do something similar to what Jameis Winston did and just take a step away for a, a year and learn. Jameis Winston is now the backup of the New Orleans Saints. He's learning behind Drew Brees, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, a first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt. So I'd love to see Dwayne Haskins go and maybe back up Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh or maybe even go to Tampa Bay and sit behind Tom Brady for a year. Tom Brady, after this season, has a single year left. Tampa Bay needs to get a quarterback for when Tom Brady leaves. I like that take. I like that take. That will end that segment for us today. As we are now going to go on to a segment I called A Sip of Tea. But it's really just us talking about the NFL because there was there was a lot of drama going on in the NFL this week. And we'll start out in the Queen City, the real one uh, for our friend Donovan Mann, who thinks Charlotte is the real Queen City. Uh, but no, we're going to go to Cincinnati and Paul Brown Stadium. And a few storylines out of this game. I think we're just going to go with the two quarterbacks who balled out. 
completely balled out. Baker Mayfield started 0 for 5 with an interception. His first pass was an interception. And then third quarter on, his only incompletion was on a spike to stop the clock. Five touchdown passes. He got two, three different touchdown passes to two different rookie uh, either receivers or tight ends, and he looked like the rookie Baker. I mean, there there's criticism and there isn't criticism that you can throw at Baker Mayfield. Um, Baker Mayfield, for the first couple of snaps, I won't lie, I turned and I said, well, Baker should be benched. Uh, I I won't hide from it, but I mean, when, when you look at the past couple of games and how Baker in the fourth quarter has looked through so many of these games this season, look at Dallas and Indianapolis, ba- Baker Mayfield hasn't looked good. And, and and this is me sitting here as a, an observer of the Browns. Baker Mayfield has not looked good in the fourth quarter and throughout some of these games. Last week, when he played the Pittsburgh Steelers, he looked terrible. And there is no other word that I can use to describe that. He looked terrible. And you could argue that it's the ribs. You can argue that now that Jarvis Landry has come out and said it, oh, he's dealing with an injury. You can, you can throw so much blame everywhere, but at the end of the day, the performance on the field is that, you know, you, you got to sit here and, and take accountability for the action that you have. And Baker came into a matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals that he had to show something. Baker Mayfield showed what he can do. He went and threw five touchdowns in that game. Now, I will say that for this year, Baker cemented his starting role. For, for now, my only criticism against this, there are two teams that he has played so far this year who are considered powerhouses. He's played the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was embarrassed by both of those teams. And again, embarrassed is the best word I can think of to use. Baker Mayfield needs to be able to play up to the competition that he's going against. You can argue the Indianapolis game is kind of a gauge, but the, the, the defense carried that game. Easily, they carried that game. I'm not going to say Dallas was that big of a win because that defense is atrocious. The offense, that was a shootout, but the but Baker Mayfield, in, in my opinion, he needs to play up to some standard of some of these better teams in the AFC. We'll go to the Bengals side now. Joe Burrow had his fourth or pardon me, fifth career game uh, and his rookie season of throwing for at least 300 yards, 406 to be exact, threw for three touchdowns, was picked once, should have been picked twice, got away with one in the fourth quarter that would have sealed the game for Cleveland and would have saved me from, you know, yelling at my computer screen. Uh, But he looked fantastic and he came about an inch away from giving the Bengals the win on the Hail Mary right at the end of the game. So my, my thing with Joe Burrow is the unfortunateness of it. Joe Burrow has looked fantastic. You are every bit as correct on that. This week against the Browns, he threw 406, three touchdowns and a pick. 35 for 47. He was without Joe Mixon in this game. Yet Cincinnati still led in total yards at 468. He still dominated time of possession at 32-55. They had more first downs than Cleveland, 31-23 respectively. 
Cincinnati has looked very, very competitive. And we've been saying that the AFC North looks really good and don't let that one five and one record distract you. The Cincinnati Bengals team is legit. The unfortunate thing for Joe Burrow is that he's on a team with a rebuilding defense. Now, this offense has young pieces. I compare this a lot to Denver. Uh, You've got the quarterback of the future in Joe Burrow. You've got some of these great receivers. A.J. Green will not be in Cincinnati at the end of this year. You've got uh, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. You know, they, they looked good. Your running back is Joe Mixon. And I mean, without Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard stepped in. But this offense is still growing and maturing. You're building this offensive line. And I don't think Cincinnati's offense is that far out. However, you're playing on a team that has no identity on defense. You don't have that killer player on the defensive side of the ball other than like Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap that you can sit there and say, oh, crud, we have to game plan for this guy all the time. You look at some of the stars around the NFL, you know, you got the Rams, you got Aaron Donald and Jalen Rams you got to look out for. When you look at the Bears, Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack, you got to look out for. Eddie Jackson, too. The Steelers, TJ Watt, Bud Dupree, Minka Fitzpatrick. The the Bengals need to find that type of player to go play linebacker or safety or something just to give them some sort of identity on defense. Joe Burrow looks fantastic. But the thing to take away from this game is that Cincinnati's defense let them down in this game. That is a game that should have given them their second win of the season. And you mentioned Carlos Dunlap. I just want to put this out there. He's been frustrated with the Bengals all season. After the game, he tweeted out in a tweet that has since been deleted uh, because I cannot find it, that uh, house for sale, best school district in Cincinnati, yada, yada, yada. He wants out. And when his teammate Tyler Boyd was asked uh, about his tweet, selling his house, he said, and I quote, for him to do that on the sideline, I don't agree with it. And according to Jeremy Roush from Fox 19, this locker room is fed up with his nonsense. Do you think that the Bengals are about close to just an outright cut of Carlos Dunlap? Here's the thing with teams, and again, the best example I can give you is Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh and then into New England. The last thing a team wants when it's rebuilding, especially when it's rebuilding, but when it's contending, are distractions. Your team needs to be focused and rallied on one goal, and that is to win the game and then go back into another week and win that game and go into another week and win that game. Mike Tomlin has a quote. When it came to Le'Veon Bell, we want players, not hostages. If Carlos Dunlap doesn't want to be in Cincinnati anymore and he's tired of losing. And and as a guy like Dunlap, who has been with Cincinnati for a while, he deserves better from that. I mean, all players on a rebuilding team, you know, you want some success. You want some success. But unfortunately, not every team is going to get that. So I understand the frustration of it. I've given this team everything for so many years, and what have I gotten out of it? But, you know, 
Tyler Boyd is very, very right. For a guy like Carlos Dunlap, who is seen as one of the more elite veteran players in the NFL, to go out and say, oh, I'm one out of here because this team's going through a rough patch. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I don't think that you should cut him, but he's becoming a locker room distraction. If the guys in the locker room are fed up with it, that is the job of the GM and ownership to turn and say, all right, Carlos, you're gone and trade him. The one point I want to make is you want to talk about defensive players who should have been frustrated. Miles Garrett played for the Browns and in his first two seasons went one in 31. Did he go out belly aching? He didn't want to play for the Browns. No. He stuck around and look at the Browns. Now they're on the cusp of making the playoffs and you just, it proves it just, you got to stick around. Even if the team's going through, through a rough patch, be the guy that's there to help them turn it around. The only other thing like comparison wise, cause you use miles Garrett. There's a difference between a young player saying I want out and a veteran player saying I want out. The veteran has given time to this organization I'm, I'm mildly defending Carlos Dunlap, mildly. I don't think it was right for him to do this, but I'm mildly defending Dunlap. If he's not happy there, that's not something you go on social media and do. That's something that you go up to coach and say, hey, coach, I'm not happy here. This team is not doing what I expected. This team is not doing what I was promised. I would like to be traded. That's the mature way to approach it. You're not going to see a class act player go to social media and say, oh, screw this place. I want out. No, you're going to see the guy go up and say, you know, coach, I'm not really happy here. I would like out. Like, look at what Minka Fitzpatrick did in Miami. He went to his coach. I would like out. Now, that news became public, but he didn't go to social media first. I agree with that. And then the last thing we're going to mention on this game in Cincinnati is Odell Beckham Jr. uh, When he came back to defend against the pick Baker Mayfield threw on his first interception, tore his ACL, and he's out for the season. And we'll talk a little bit more about the consequences of this when we get to overreaction and underreaction, but we just want to wish Odell our best. He's He can be a bit of a bonehead sometimes when he talks to the media. I mean, his COVID response, uh, but he's he's a great player, and we wish him the best in his recovery. We would also like to wish the best to everybody dealing with ACL injuries. This has been the year of the ACL, unfortunately. A lot of people tearing them, a lot of people getting hurt. Devin Bush last week, Odell this week, D.D. Westbrook of the Jaguars tore it this week. So uh, our thoughts and prayers to everybody dealing with injury. This is a tough time for everybody, and I mean, that's not going to really help during a pandemic. It is not. We'll go just about a state away now, maybe a state and a half south of Cincinnati to Nashville, Tennessee, home of a nail biter between the Pittsburgh uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Tennessee Titans. And big storyline here: Pittsburgh looked like they put it away, and then Tennessee comes storming back and comes this close to tying the game up and going to overtime until Gotkowski missed the field goal. So a couple of big storylines going into it. Both teams going into this game were five and zero, five and zero Pittsburgh, five and zero Tennessee. Um, and unfortunately it's a game that one team has to win and one team has to lose. And Pittsburgh was able to come out with it. 
Um, I was listening to the Steelers radio broadcast. I was watching the game cast through ESPN. And when Dostkowski missed that field goal at the end, I freaked out. Um, but there, there are two sides to this game. There are two sides to every coin. On one side of it, the first half, Pittsburgh looked dominant. They looked like the team who is going to the Super Bowl. They looked like a team who no, no matter who you throw at this team, they will win. You go into halftime 24 to 7 over a quarterback and a running back who have had fantastic seasons. And, you know, kudos to the Titans for allowing this game to get back into their hands. Roethlisberger threw three interceptions, but you look at the turnover game, you win games by not throwing turnovers. Roethlisberger's first interception came at, in the first half when at the end of the game or the end of the half, Pittsburgh had an opportunity to kick a field goal. Instead, they went for the kill button. Then Ben Roethlisberger threw an interception in the end zone to end the half. That's three points right there that could have been put on the board. Again, later on, a ball was batted at the line of scrimmage and intercepted. There's nothing that you really can do on that. The third one came in the fourth quarter when Ben Roethlisberger again went for another kill shot for an interception or for a touchdown, and it was again picked off. That's six points that could have been swung. So instead of interception, an interception to end the half, it could have been. Uh, 27 to 7 right there and then at the end of the game it could have been like 30 to 24 but we don't know how that end would have panned out um the the overall goal of it and what i'll say on pittsburgh's side of the ball is pittsburgh looked really really good this offense looked great other than the interceptions by roethlisberger this defense again shut down another running back this time derrick henry only going for 75 yards and a touchdown on 20 carries the Steelers' defense is not allowed a 100-yard rusher this year. Um, the black mark on the defense is that I need to see more out of the secondary. Minka Fitzpatrick needs to play better. Um, so that that's my opinion on the Steelers. Jacob, do you have anything to add on the Steelers' side of it? Not on the Steelers' side. On the Tennessee side, though, Derrick Henry had himself another game. He got that big touchdown to pull it within three points. But they just fell flat, and Gotkowski... He's been a great kicker in the league for a long time. He's bound to miss one every now and then, especially at that distance. Neither team should hang their head on anything. I know Big Ben had a few picks that he probably wants back, and of course the one that was batted in the end zone. But this was a great matchup between probably two of the top five teams in the AFC. And here's the other thing I want to throw out there. Pittsburgh dominated time of possession, 36 minutes and 37 seconds. How do you beat good teams? You keep their offensive playmakers on the sidelines. Pittsburgh outgained this team. You take those three turnovers off the board, and Pittsburgh ran away with this game. That's the only black mark I can throw at the Steelers on this game. Um, I still sit here, as I have since the beginning, Pittsburgh to the Super Bowl, but... The, the biggest thing that I need to see out of the Steelers team when they go up against Baltimore is control the clock and control the turnovers. The Tennessee Titans and Derrick Henry, they P Pittsburgh made Tannehill throw the ball and Tannehill threw the ball. Well, the secondary of the Steelers needs to be better. The Titans though, again, as you mentioned, nothing to hang your hat on nothing. Pitt, you, you look good. This is a team that just, it, it came down to the wire and you got unlucky. 
that's that's quite literally it. Steven Guskowski, you relied on to kick the game, to get, send the game into overtime, and he missed. It happens. You can't hang your head on it. You've had a great season. Mike Vrabel was awesome as a coach. You're, you're going to get a bounce-back game against Cincinnati this week, and I feel so bad for Cincinnati because of it. But th- this is going to be a rematch game. I would I th- I would like to think that the Steelers and Titans will meet again. I think it's a very big possibility, and I we're watching that game together if they do. Hopefully, B-dubs will be open past 10 o'clock. So we'll go to East Rutherford, ugh, East Rutherford, New Jersey. If I can get it out, the Meadowlands, and the Buffalo Bills hang on to beat the Jets 18 to 10. But Josh Allen didn't throw a touchdown pass. He was the leading rusher in that game. Didn't run for a touchdown. The only touchdown in the game was scored by the Jets. And the Bills just go on to win on, let me double check my math here, six field goals. Six field goals from Tyler Bass. One, I don't know when the last time I saw a team that didn't score a touchdown win against a team that did. Um, Last week, the Broncos beat the Patriots the exact same way. I didn't watch that game, and I forgot about that. Thank you for reminding me, Zach. But are the Bills showing their true colors after starting out so hot? Josh Allen still threw for 370 yards, so I want you to keep that in mind. But he could not get a touchdown. So, yes and no. Um, First and foremost, at one point, the the Bills were down 10-0 to the Jets. I I will repeat this statement. At one point... The Buffalo Bills were down 10 nothing to the New York Jets. Now, th- this game, I think, does but doesn't show the true colors of Buffalo as Buffalo was able to then rally back behind a pretty solid defense. Josh Allen admitted that this team has to get into the end zone. But at the same time, you know, you're playing against a team that doesn't exactly have the best thing. Uh, for them, which is their defense. Uh, the New York Jets, though, as we saw with the Cleveland Browns when they went 0-16, the more you see the loss column go up without a win, the more desperate you get for that win. Very few teams in NFL history have gone 0-16. No, you don't want to join that list. So for New York, they were playing that way. But, you know, kudos to the Jets for trying, but... Bigger kudos to Cole Beasley and Josh Allen for getting this team 18 unanswered points. You got to be able to score. However, if you're asking, have the Bills shown their true colors? I'm going to say no, they haven't. Um, The Titans and the Chiefs were their two losses. And I mean, they're, they're tough losses. You've, you've won against some decent teams, and you've got a couple of big ones coming up. You've got the Patriots this week, got the Seahawks, the Cardinals down the line. You still have Pittsburgh on your schedule. You know, Buffalo is going to get an opportunity to show off a little bit. But if I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, I'm a little worried about what I'm seeing out of Josh Allen. I think that Josh Allen needs to be able to score a little more and whether that's the offense stepping up a little bit more around Josh Allen or Josh Allen having to make better plays. 
You know, he's got to limit these turnovers. He's had a couple of fumbles, a couple of interceptions. He's thrown 16 touchdowns, but turnovers kill. Yeah, that's that's really going to be the issue, I think, in Buffalo. Of course, the AFC East is not as powerful as it once was. And there's a reason this Bills team is now leading the charge in that division. I think they are going to win the division, but they need to get into the end zone. I agree. After Aaron Rodgers was kind of stymied against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week, without Aaron Jones, he had to take on the Houston Texans, and angry Aaron looked really, really good. You know, the the question comes down to, is Bill O'Brien the problem, or, and my question to you, good sir, is, is angry Aaron the scariest quarterback in the NFL? Can I call it a tie? You can you can talk about it. If one Bill O'Brien was the problem. You can't be a head coach. Okay, I I amend this. 90% of coaches cannot be GMs. 98% cannot be GM and coach at the same time. The exception is Mr. Bill Belichick. Um, the other thing is I think Aaron Rodgers is tied as the most dangerous angry quarterback and the only reason I see this or say this is because and for lack of a better term and we saw it on Sunday pissed off Baker Mayfield can ball with the best of them and this isn't the homer in me This is watching a guy rattle off 21 of 22 passes after starting off 0 for 5 with an interception. I think they are two of the best. I know Baker's probably not on the same level. I know Baker's not on the same level as Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to lie to myself. But if we're in the angry quarterback uh, category, I think they are very comparable. But angry Aaron Rodgers is the best best quarterback in the NFL. I mean, it, they 35 to 20, I think that says more about the Green Bay defense than it does the Green Bay offense. Um, Houston's kind of picked up, but all 20 of the Texans' points were scored in the second half. A touchdown in the third, a touchdown was it Two touchdowns and a next missed extra point, or was it a touchdown and two field goals? I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I'd have to look into it. I'm, I'm looking at it now. But I, I think Aaron Rodgers needs to play like that every week. <laughs> well, especially when you're in a situation where you just got embarrassed by Tampa Bay. And I mean, and that's not exactly, you know, the worst thing in the world to get beaten by Tom Brady but at the same time this is a team that rattled off like 30 straight points on you you can't play that way if you're a contender and by losing that game against Tampa Bay and Tom Brady you opened up the NFC North as we mentioned the Chicago Bears were right there before they lost last night to the Rams the Lions are right there they're only like two games back and they still have divisional play you know you've got to play better than that so 
I wouldn't say Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL because I don't believe he is. I don't think angry Aaron is the best quarterback in the NFL. You know, I'm going to sit here and make a mild formal apology to Mr. Tom Brady. And I mean, I said this, you know, earlier on in the year when, you know, Tom Brady has not looked good and, you know, maybe it's because of the teams he's played, but lately how Tom Brady's been going, Tom Brady's looked really good, really good. 18 touchdowns, four picks, you know, I'd like to see what he can do against a quote unquote powerhouse team, but he did that against green Bay. I, I, I don't know what to say other than I'm sorry for doubting Tom Brady. Um, do I think he's still what he was back in his prime? No, but he's playing complimentary football. He's doing this year. What Ben Roethlisberger is doing in Pittsburgh. It's, I don't have to make the plays. I can just be the mediator of everything and I can let these playmakers go. That's why he struggled so much in New England is because Tom Brady had no offensive weapons around him other than Julian Edelman. Now you're surrounded by talent. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown is now a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Scotty Miller. This offense looks so good. I think Tom Brady is the best quarterback in the NFL right now only because now he doesn't have to be, I'm Tom Brady, I'm going to carry this team to a victory. I'm Tom, it goes to, I'm Tom Brady, I'm a game manager now. I, I, I will, I will, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yield that pick to you. I will yield that to you. I think that's a very good argument. You've got me thinking that maybe you are correct. Um, so again, formal apology to Tom Brady. I'm sorry for disrespecting you, the goat. (laughs) From here, we're going to move on to Thursday night football. Panthers and the Falcons. Oh boy. Three years ago, I would have been ecstatic for this Thursday night matchup. Panthers are going to walk out with a 20 point win. Oh boy. I, you're very wrong. You are very wrong. Um, so let me, um, let me throw the, a couple of things. So first and foremost, Christian McCaffrey is questionable for this game. He got taken off of IR. So he we may see CMC again. But Falcons are winning this game. The Falcons are winning this game. I, I don't understand how you sit here and think that the Carolina Panthers are going to put up over 30 points on this Falcons team and win by 30. Said you said 20. 20. You said 20. Matt Ryan... Is 190 for 286 with over 2,000 passing yards. Todd Gurley, 122 carries, 485, seven touchdowns. No, 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 no. Atlanta's winning this game. Atlanta is upset that Detroit just beat them. Atlanta is one in six. Matt Ryan and Julio Jones don't want to be traded, and if they don't show up in this game, they're getting traded. I give this game to the Atlanta Falcons by 10. Carolina is good. They're three and four. They are contending in their division right now. Teddy Bridgewater has looked really good. Robbie Anderson is 640, has 640 yards on 46 catches, but one touchdown. This team has missed Christian McCaffrey. This defense has gotten better. Atlanta 
is winning this game though. I don't, I, I don't see any reason how they don't. And I mean, they've, they've choked games. And if urinating tree were to listen to this, he'd laugh at me for backing this Atlanta team up. But I, I give this one to Atlanta. I, I do. I think that Matt Ryan's going to come out, put on a show, and Todd Gurley's going to have a nice day running it. Okay. Uh, you know what this means? It means uh, burgers and football on Thursday night. Ooh. Sounds like a plan. That sounds really good. On to the World Series, and what a World Series it has been. Back and forth and back and forth. It was game three of the World Series. Am I correct there with this first point we're making? Yeah, I want to say four. four. I want to say game four. Yeah, I want to say game four. Top, that was where they tied it up, right? If you're talking about the, um, the, the play of Doom, I want to say that this was game four. Anyway, it was a game in the World Series, and Rays, down by a lot, come storming back. They're the home team in Texas that night. A little bloop single into right center field, misplayed by the outfielder, run scores. Throw goes in. It was game four. Throw goes in to the cutoff man. The base runner, who I'm blanking on, slips and falls, and it looks like he's going to be out. But the relay to home plate was offline. The catcher misses it and sliding in to score the game-winning run. And just insane. Insane play. And I have made my fair share of criticism about Joe Buck since the 2016 World Series. But holy cow, that was that was probably one of the best baseball calls I've ever heard outside of Tom Hamilton. So you're talking Randy Orozarena. Yes. So first and foremost, this World Series has been insane. And I mean, Tampa Bay has been able to answer calls that they've needed to. They go down 1-0. They tie it up at 1. They go down 2-1. They tie it up at 2. And I mean, they're, they're staring at the, the end of potentially their World Series run right now. And it, it, it comes down to what they can do. And they play tonight. Today is the 27th, and it's it's Blake Snell, the ace of the Rays, going up against a rookie, Tony Gonsolin, for the Dodgers. Um, and it, it's going to come down to what team wants it more. And, you know, the, everybody's favorite words in, you know, in sports is a Game 7. Everybody loves a Game 7. And it's, it's tough, man. Tampa Bay has looked good, but the Dodgers have found a way to be better. And that's what I'm worried about for this Tampa Bay Rays team. Um, you know, you got to look at a lot of these, these things that we, we, tra- we threw in here. Um, we, we talked about it at the very beginning. The Dodgers have this. If Clayton Kershaw plays well, Clayton Kershaw has played really well. We also said this offensive lineup needs to be getting going. Mookie Betts, which, by the way, Boston, he wanted to be a Red Sox for life. Why did you trade Mookie Betts? He's looked awesome. 
I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm rooting for him because I'm a fan of Mookie Betts, but it breaks my heart knowing that he's about to win an MVP for a team that's not the Boston Red Sox. You know, Mookie's looked good. Cody Ballinger's looked good. Kyle Seeger has looked good. Jock Peterson has looked good. Everywhere you look on this Dodgers team, they have answered every single question except for Kenley Jansen. This team is tough to beat. And you look at Kershaw's stats just in the postseason. He's only allowed 10 runs in five starts, walked five, struck out 37. Also, you just look at his... uh, He's pitched 30 and two-thirds innings. Like, he's just looked insane. And in the last seven days... He only went four innings. He allowed four runs on eight hits. Only struck out three. Not his best performance. But he still has looked dominant throughout the postseason. And I expect when we see him for Game 7 of this World Series, and I'm still calling it Dodgers in 7, He's going to be light it, lights out. So I got to kind of defend my pick here. My pick was the Rays in six. Clearly, that's not the case because it's not possible for the Rays to win the series tonight. Um, I'm still sitting with the Rays, though. I think that the Tampa Bay Rays will win the World Series. Um, I, I think Mookie Betts is a strong contender for uh, MVP regardless of who wins. Uh, however, when the Rays win, the person that I think wins this is Brandon Lau. So, okay, so I give it Rays and I say Rays and seven MVP Brandon Lau. Okay. Who's your MVP? Mookie Betts for the Dodgers. Good. I can say that now because he doesn't play for the Red Sox, so you can't hold it over me. No, I'm so sad that they let him leave. So we'll move on to college football now, and we don't have a lot of time left to talk about college football, but we're going to start out in the Big Ten, and Ohio State started off slow, came back to win big. Ryan Day apologized to Scott Frost in his post-game press conference for not kneeling out the clock and letting his freshman quarterback score a rushing touchdown. Uh, after Justin Fields came out. Fields won in completion, and it was a drop in the end zone. But the biggest storyline in this game is there were three targeting calls called against the Cornhuskers with two ejections. And Gus Johnson was not happy with it. Targeting calls are not fun. There's a reason why that they're always reviewed. That's because they're dangerous. Um, You know, Nebraska fans will argue, oh, the refs were just allowing Ohio State to play soft. And I I will say, you know, because certain players weren't ejected for it, I will agree that some of those calls were a little soft. But, you know, there were some that weren't good. And the fact that they're getting flagged for it, stop leading with the helmet. That's unsafe to both the player catching the ball as well as the player getting the hit. That's not safe. That's something that can really hurt somebody. 
So, I mean, on one hand, you got to watch the targeting calls, but on the same side, don't put yourself in the position and you won't get called for it. We'll move on from there now to Michigan retrain, uh, retain the little brown jug. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Rutgers beating Michigan State, and Rutgers actually looked like a pretty decent team out there. Uh, the biggest shock of the night, though, was Indiana beating the Nittany Lions. Made them look like chumps for most of the game, and it came down to a controversial controversial call at the end. Yeah, at the end of that game, uh, went into overtime, and Penn State was up by one. Indiana scored, and they said, we're going to try to get the win here. They ran a little uh, quarterback run around the side uh, towards the near side where the camera was looking. A diving play at the end zone ruled complete where the ball was at. And I'm sure it's been seen by sports fans everywhere. The ball, the nose of it broke the plane of the goal line before going out of bounds. Very, very controversial. Indiana said it was good. The Nittany Lions were like, no, you were down. But Indiana ended up winning in that game. Yeah, just a crazy storyline. And with Ohio State playing Penn State this weekend, expect a big game from both sides. Penn State mad. Ohio State wants to prove that they are the best in the Big Ten. SEC, Bama rolls but loses Waddle. Yeah, this, the star wide receiver Jalen Waddle broke his ankle. Uh, that's the unfortunateness of the situation. Uh, there's two ways in college football. You can opt out of the season and go and prepare for the draft, or you can try to play and, you know, get some better calls on it. That's the gamble that you play with college football. Um, he's still going to go in the draft. Waddle is still a difference maker on the field. Um, it's going to be tough for Bama to replicate what he can do, but if anybody can do it, it's Nick Saban. Um, good luck to you, Waddle, with your... Uh, with your recovery on a broken ankle, never fun, never fun. Quick notes on the ACC. Trevor Lawrence threw his first ever pick six in a thorough dismantling of the Syracuse Orange. Meanwhile, the Irish stay undefeated and a very impressive win at Pittsburgh. Yeah, the Ian Book in this Irish squad trying to show that they're legit contenders in the ACC. I'm looking forward to whoever comes out of the ACC, whether it be Notre Dame, Clemson, or Miami. I still think Miami is a dark horse in the ACC. I, I would have to agree with you. From there, we'll take a look outside. Or no, we're going to the Big 12 first. Pardon me. Uh, the other OSU, Oklahoma State, getting another win uh, against the Iowa State Cyclones, a three-point win, uh, a good win for them, and they're the last hope in the Big 12 to stay in the college football playoffs. And that really bums me out because my favorite to win the Big 12 was Texas, but hats off to Coach Van Gundy and the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Chuba Hubbard, 139 and a touchdown on the ground. Chuba Hubbard is one of the most electric running backs that I've seen in college football in quite a long time. I'm excited to see him go into the NFL. But, you know, for a team like the Oklahoma State Cowboys, they're going to have to play some other competition this year uh, to deserve a place in the college football playoff. But I could see them as a dark horse number four team with Penn State having lost. Cincinnati, as we go outside the Power 5 real quick, beating Southern Methodist to his ranked 16, 42-13. Desmond Ryder, 13 of 21, 126 yards and a touchdown. He also had eight carries for 179 yards 
and three touchdowns. Cincinnati is still my favorite to edge out the Big 12 for a college football playoff spot. And kudos to Cincinnati. Exactly what we said they needed to do, they did. They beat the ranked SMU Mustangs. You have to win these types of games just to have an opportunity in a college football playoff world. In a world like this right now where we're in condensed seasons, every game counts. And when teams like Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State are dominating teams, Notre Dame looks really good. Oklahoma State looks really good. You moved from 9-7, to seven, Cincinnati. The Bearcats have an opportunity to get in here. They're going to need some luck. They're going to need some help. You're going to need to see Notre Dame beat or Notre Dame lose to Clemson in the ACC. You're going to need to see Miami fall out from the ACC. You're going to need to see Georgia get beaten by Alabama and Oklahoma State to lose a game. Cincinnati has themselves in a great position, similar to what the Oregon Ducks did last year. They just need to win and control what they can control. If they do that, Cincinnati will be in the college football playoff. I think they will be in the college football playoff. I think they're going to be the first group of five team in, and I think they're going to be the first group of five team to win a game in the college football playoff. Quick, That's re- bold. Quick reaction to the top ten. Clemson, Alabama stay at one, two, Ohio State up to three, Notre Dame at four, Georgia at five, Oklahoma State at six, Cincinnati at seven, Texas A&M at eight, Wisconsin at nine, Florida at 10, Penn State drops 10 spots to number 18, Indiana jumps up from unranked to 17, Michigan jumps five spots to 13, and Oklahoma goes from unranked to 24. That'll bring us to everybody's favorite segment on any podcast ever. Overreaction or underreaction, where we take some statements and some things that we've noticed over the past week of football, baseball, any type of sport, and we wonder, is this an overreaction or an underreaction? If you agree with it, it's an underreaction, or it can be an overreaction. Let us know what your thoughts are, either on our Discord server or on Twitter, both at Smith and Seidel. I'll go ahead and start it off and ask the question. So, first and foremost, Russell Wilson, after throwing a couple of interceptions and losing to the Arizona Cardinals, is no longer the MVP frontrunner this year. Overreaction or underreaction? That's an overreaction, and I'm going to pair it with this right here. Like, come on. He's still a great quarterback. There's a lot more games left. Russell Wilson, still the front runner to be MVP in the NFL this season. The Los Angeles Chargers, uh, I forgot his first name, Justin Herbert, right? Yes. Yeah, Justin, Justin Herbert is the best quarterback of the 2020 class. That there, sir, is an underreaction. Another one. Justin Herbert has looked so good with the Chargers. And typically when you're measuring success and all that, it's not just about what team you're on. It's how you've performed. You threw three touchdowns and you ran for one against the Jacksonville Jaguars. You've come in, you've replaced Tyrod Taylor, and you've looked competitive. You almost knocked off the Saints a little while ago. The nice thing is with you is that you're going to be in the same type of conversation as Joe Burrow and Tua. I don't see Tua winning rookie of the year. Now, that being said, Joe Burrow has looked really, really good. 
Um, however, in my opinion, and this might just be because Herbert's got a couple of better weapons, in my opinion, than Joe Burrow. I think that Justin Herbert's got is the best quarterback of the 2020 class. And I think he's going to be known as the best quarterback from this class for quite a long time. I, I like that take. I, I really do like that take. Overreaction, underreaction. Michigan just retained the little brown jug, as we mentioned, doing it dominantly over Minnesota. Are they college football playoff material? Yeah. I don't think they'll get in because they'll have to go through Ohio State and then whoever they'll play as the number two team in the Big Ten East. But this is an overreaction. Rutgers, no longer the bottom rung of the Big Ten after beating Michigan State. Underreaction or overreaction? This is another underreaction. Yeah, baby, yeah! Yeah, got to get a little bit of Austin Powers up in there. Uh, Rutgers, you know, they've, they've come a long way. They've come a long way from being just the punching bag of the Big Ten. Um, the the only thing that I can say here is, you know, Michigan State is in a mild rebuild year. They lost a legendary head coach over the offseason. And now they're sitting there. They're trying to retain a new culture and get everything through there. But, you know, you got to give a lot of credit to this type of team. Steve Sar- or it's not, it is Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. And, you know, the, the Rutgers has looked good. You, you, you cannot give any leeway on how they have played this year. So I, I got to give an underreaction for right now. They've, they've passed the eye test thus far. Okay. This <laughs> this question you and I have debated on for quite a long time, and this one I'm curious to see what other people think about. So, overreaction or underreaction? Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields will stay at their respective schools if the New York Jets get the number one pick in the NFL draft. This is the biggest underreaction we have had since we started doing the podcast. I agree with it so much. One, because Justin Fields has said before that the NFL will come and he wants to win the Heisman in a ring with the Buckeyes. And I think Trevor Lawrence has basically said, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, if the Jets get the number one pick, both quarterbacks need to stay <laughs> stay in college. We don't need more elite quarterbacks getting uh, ruined in the NFL. Underreaction or overreaction? With the Ravens continuing to improve, should Pittsburgh and Cleveland make improvements in their defense slash offense? You know, I'm going to say this is a reaction. Um, you, you, you've kind of used this a little bit, but, you know, when, when teams look to make moves midway through the season, it's because that they think that their team is not ready. Uh, the Ravens just made a trade for Unique Ngakwe within the past week or so, an edge rusher who was with Jacksonville, then got traded to Minnesota, and then Minnesota now over to Baltimore. Uh, this kind of signifying that they didn't like where their defense was at. Now, anytime that you get a, a superstar to fall on your lap, you're going to probably take them. But if the Browns and the Steelers believe that they are okay, uh, then I think that they should be fine. Now, that being said, Odell Beckham is out for the year with a torn ACL. Um, Baker Mayfield 
played a little bit better without him because they didn't need to throw the ball all that often. I think Cleveland needs to make a move for a receiver, whether that be um, a stud number one receiver. Um, we've, we've mentioned certain people on Twitter saying that Michael Thomas should get traded to the Browns um, or whether that just be a, another guy just to go and, and slot over into that number one spot uh, Jarvis Landry has been really solid just being a second receiver. I don't think you want to put him in that number one role. And Rashard Higgins looks really good. Now, yeah, Donovan Peoples-Jones had a great game against the Bengals, but what's going to happen next? I think that they should make a move to go get a receiver. Uh, Pittsburgh, Robert Spillane showed up with Devin Bush going down. Um but for how much longer uh, a name that I've seen or two names that I've seen thrown potentially going to Pittsburgh uh, before the trade deadline is Avery Williamson from the jets who have made it very apparent that they are selling. And then miles Jack, who is a middle linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, if Pittsburgh and Cleveland feel that they are okay in that position, I am not the one to judge saying that they should improve um, but that being said, the Ravens are making moves to get better. And I think that Cleveland and Pittsburgh should at least look at their roster and see what they can do. Okay. Overreaction or underreaction. And I mentioned this earlier. So my opinion's already kind of set for at least this moment in time. Tom Brady is the best quarterback in the NFL this season. Overreaction, underreaction. Underreaction. Under I have to say underreaction. I, I just he's shown too much after a slow start for me to say that he is not the best quarterback this season. I still think angry Aaron Rodgers is better than him. And if we saw a rematch of the Buccaneers and the Packers, I would love to see what Aaron Rodgers can do because you know he'll be ready to go in and face off. But I think that Tom Brady normally is the best quarterback in the NFL this season. Underreaction or overreaction? Regardless of the outcome of the World Series, Dave Roberts will be canned by the Dodgers. I'm going to say this is an overreaction. Now, the, the reason being, if the Dodgers win, and here's the thing about winning, and we saw this with Dan Quinn, if you start winning you're going to be looked at of, Oh, everything's working perfectly. And that's fine. So if, if the Dodgers win the world series, Dave Roberts will stay with the Dodgers. Um, now if they lose, he's getting canned. Um, Dave Roberts kind of is in a year of no excuses. Um, he's had years of no excuses in the past where he's gotten his team to the world series and then lost. He lost to the Red Sox. He lost to the Astros. He's lost to the Astros twice, you know, and then last year, he didn't even make it to the World Series with the, with the roster that they had. This year, they added Mookie Betts, and you're sitting at the do on the doorstep. You're 3-2. and two. If you lose tonight and you lose tomorrow, you should be fired. Dave Roberts, this team has gotten everywhere, and you're telling me that, that you can't get over that hump. At some point, it's not on the players. It's on you, buddy. I... I, I respect Dave Roberts and what he's been able to bring culture wise to that Dodgers locker room. But you know, the, the, the clubhouse needs to speak up. And if Dave Roberts loses this world series, I think that he will be fired. Yeah. I, Over, I think so too. Ahead. I think that's a very good point. He's had all the time in the world, except 
a manager should never be fired for getting to a championship game. That's just my opinion. Well, that that's going to bring up another one here. Overreaction or underreaction? After Nick Foles struggles again on offense, the Chicago Bears should give Mitch Trubisky, who is 3-0 as a starter this year, by the way, another chance to be the starter this season. Yeah, baby, yeah! Yeah, there's why not? The offense has not looked the same with Nick Foles, other than the game against uh, Indianapolis. Put Trubisky back in. At least let him be available so you can shop him as a trade. I don't know. His uh, his contract's up at the end of the season, isn't it? Then let other teams take a look at him. Let you let the Bears front office take a look at him and be like, are we ready to give up on you yet? Underreaction all the way. And finally, our last underreaction or overreaction of the day. Zach, is Cam Newton washed up? Oh, yeah. This is an underreaction. Hit me with the sound. Hit me with it. Yeah, baby, yeah! Or did you want this one? Another one. It doesn't matter. This is an underreaction all the way. Um, and and I, I, gotta, I gotta explain myself just a little bit. Uh, Cam Newton was let go by Carolina for a reason. He's had some injury problems with his career. Um, and it kind of all steadily declined since he led the Panthers to a Super Bowl back in 2016. Um... He has not looked the same since that season, and partially that's on injury, but partially that is on a, a, a couple of different things. Um, now, I don't think that Cam Newton is um, anywhere near as good as he was. Um, however, um, he, he, he's kind of towards the back end of his career. Um, I think that you'll see Cam Newton emerge somewhere as a backup, but he is not a starter anymore. His time in New England should just about be done. And honestly, I I, I wouldn't use washed up, but I think he, his time in the NFL is coming about to an end. Speaking of things and coming to an end, that is going to be the end of our show for this week. Keep an eye out on our Twitter, Smith and Seidel Show, my Twitter at Jake underscore Seidel, and Zach's Twitter at Smitty underscore Zach. Wait, no. Zach. Yep, it's yeah. MIDI underscore Zach. S-M-I-T-T-Y underscore Z-A-K. Uh, for any information on our big Mac football preview show we are considering doing, uh, we'll let you know. And just to let you know, our podcast now available on sportscaster.com. Uh, that's sportscaster, C-A-S-T-R. Uh, it's really an all sports, all the time type uh, social media outlet uh, where our podcast is also now available and Zach and I might be doing some live streamed shows on there as well I did one last night by myself it was pretty fun Zach I wish you could have come but I know you had class and it's all good we'll get plenty more you and I interact all the time we're going to get some time to get some uh, fans of the show on to get uh, uh, their opinion again let us know how we're doing how you think we're doing uh, you can join us here in our discord server or you can join us on twitter uh, both just go into that type uh, smith and Seidel. there are spaces on discord no spaces on twitter so look us up there let us know how we did and uh, 
what you'd like to see and what your opinions are. How are our overreactions, underreactions? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Let us know. And before we go, thank you to my co-host, Zach Smith. Another great week of great discussions. Uh, our outro music, was, our intro and outro music is by Bobby Quinn Creative Music Production. He's highly recommended by the Smith & Seidel Show. You can find him on Fiverr.com by searching Bobby Quinn C. We'd also like to thank Dylan Hunter, a student at Bowling Green State University that created the Smith & Seidel logo. For Zach Smith, I'm Jacob Seidel. Signing off and reminding you to stay safe, stay healthy, and I Ziggy Zumba.